to parenting now. And as if two years of a COVID pandemic wasn't enough, there's a new bogeyman on the news. Russia's war in Ukraine is dominating the headlines, and unlike when we were kids, it's not just in the newspaper or on the TV at six o'clock. It's on the radio, in the car, in social media feeds, and even in our advertising. So what can parents, grandparents or educators do to help children understand what they're seeing? And how can that message be delivered to various age groups, from preschoolers to teenagers? I'm joined by Dr Nicole Racine. She's a specialist in child psychology and based at the University of Calgary in Canada. Hi, Nicole. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Look, it feels harder than ever to keep young people away from bad news. Multiple places, as I mentioned, they can be exposed to it. So how concerned should parents be um, about the, the first this exposure to distressing topics like war? Yeah, this is something that certainly uh, when the first invasions in Ukraine started that we were concerned about just especially because there's a lot of media exposure that children tend to have, especially young children. And I think it's particularly important to be mindful of the type of exposure that children are having. What do we know about how children process violence or violent images? Yeah, so we know that this is actually something that's really uh, varies based on developmental age. So for young children, for example, children under the age of six, um, they have less of, of an ability to really understand what it is that they're seeing and, and interpret uh, what they might be seeing from uh, violent images. Children who are uh, maybe a little bit older than that, school age, um, they might be able to understand what it is that they're seeing, but they might not necessarily understand the consequences. And so it's really important, especially uh, with children around this age, to have conversations with them and process some of what they're seeing. And then as uh, children get older into adolescence, maybe 13 and older, uh, they would have much more of a sense of an understanding of what they're seeing. And again, um, being able to have open conversations and dialogue about what it is they're seeing and what this means and making sense of it um, is especially important just to reassure them uh, related to their own safety and well-being. The past two years of the pandemic have been so stressful for everybody, and that includes children, of course, because of what they've gone through. Um, do you think that makes what they're seeing about this war more distressing from them because they are more vulnerable, emotionally vulnerable? Mm, yeah, I think, you know, this is a really interesting question. And certainly I, I don't think we necessarily, you know, know can know for sure uh, in my opinion, I think it may actually vary by child. So, for example, um, you know, some children, especially um, having gone through lots of big changes and disruptions during the pandemic, may in fact be more sensitive uh, to distress and distressing content um, because of the pandemic and because of having been alarmed by this. Uh, whereas some other children, it may not impact them as much. And so um, parents may actually find that it depends greatly uh, from child to child. And so, you know, I think being mindful of what kind of child you have uh, and whether typically when there's been a lot of changes and disruption, this is something that tends to affect them greatly um, versus not will probably be a good indication of uh, how they will uh behave facing these challenges. I mean, the, you have that decision also, don't you, about whether to raise it or whether to wait until 
you know, the young person in your life raises it with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this is a really, this is really something important to think about. I think for uh, younger children, especially who may have less exposure. So for example, children under the age of six, I think for those children, um, you know, waiting to see if they they raise it with you or if there are certain things that they say that kind of make you think, oh, you know, they've had some exposure to this or some understanding. But for for children who are a bit who are older than six years of age, school aged, or even adolescents, if you haven't already had a conversation with them, I'm positive that they've seen um, some kind of media or heard about it at school. I know within the first couple of days of the invasion of Ukraine, uh, you know, kids were coming home already talking a lot about what was going on and the potential for World War III and all kinds of things. So I think asking them and it can opening up the conversation can just look like uh, saying, you know, what what have you heard about uh, what's going on in the world or what have you heard about uh, Ukraine and have you heard anything about it or has anyone at school said anything as have any of your teachers mentioned anything kind of getting a sense of what they know what they understand and if they're you know if they have misconceptions or there is misinformation you can help uh, provide uh, more correct information and if they have questions they can ask you and you can you know provide some reassurance also well, here's the dilemma, perhaps also uh, with those younger ones, most particularly. How honest should parents or caregivers or educators be um, for some of those hard questions that might come their way, you know, especially for the younger ones who might not be able to understand? Or is a degree of sugarcoating okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, um, maybe what we would call sugarcoating, I would call just developmentally appropriate, uh, you know, trying to keep... Um, it's use and say words, I think, especially for the younger ones that um, will make sense to them, you know, maybe use words like, um, you know, fighting or not getting along, trying to make it relatable even for them to something that might happen on the playground. And, you know, certainly I think um, being honest is is important. Um, but for the quite younger ones, if they ask you a pointed question, I think I would uh, you know, do my best to answer that in a way that was developmentally appropriate, but not providing additional details uh, if they haven't asked about it. It's also okay as parents not to know. It's okay to say, you know, actually, I don't really know. And we don't really know how this is going to play out, or we don't really know what's going to happen. But I think always finishing with some kind of statement saying, you know, as your parents, we're always going to do our best to to keep you safe as your parents and, you know, the adults who love and care about you in the world are always going to do their very best to keep you safe. And so you can help provide some reassurance there. For the older kids, it can actually be helpful uh, for them to um, have information that's accurate, that can help make them feel at ease. And it sometimes can also be helpful, too, if they get to do something that engages them towards the cause and it helps them feel like they have a little bit of control. So, for example, uh, you know, as a family, if you decide to make a donation or support a member of your community who might be impacted uh, because they have family in Ukraine, or maybe uh, there might be communities, depending on where in the world you are, that will be accommodating refugees and doing something that can be uh, supportive in that way. I was wondering if a remarkable little seven-year-old Amelia, 
who uh, went viral when she was singing Frozen when she was in Kiev bomb shelter. And then I saw her the other night singing her country's national anthem so proudly um, on a, in a charity concert in Poland where she's now a refugee. I wonder if something like that is a good entry point, particularly for young ones about that age, because there's kind of a there's a story behind that too, isn't there? There's a sad story of of her family and and um, her escape and being a refugee from the country that she loves, but also that one one young person can make a difference. Oh, for sure, yeah. And I think you know as much as possible having the stories and information that are uh, relatable and. Um, I think you're exactly right in saying, you know, there's a, a story behind it. And and even though uh, she's, Amelia is in an incredibly challenging situation, uh, in some ways, it's also uh, quite a demonstration of resilience um, to be, you know, um, to be singing and um, to be able to share messages with people that are so very important. And so, you know, I think that there's always this balance between, um, providing our kids with information, um, you know, that isn't, you know, overly terrifying or upsetting for them, but also uh, remarking that this is the, this is real and it's the real world that we live in, and um, these are the citizens of tomorrow, and they need to be informed about the kinds of things that are happening in our world. Lucy, one of our listeners just got in touch to say, look, look at a map, show them where Ukraine is. Talk a bit about NATO, Putin, World Wars One and Two. Kids love a bit of content knowledge. And uh, Lucy says, I'm so grateful to my daughter's Year Nine social studies teacher, who's pivoted to teach the class as much as possible about the conflict. Kind of let's find out more together is a great start. Oh, I, I love that idea, and certainly, um, you know, for for the kids who are a little bit older, say six and older, um, you know, exactly that being able to show them on the map where it is that can also, depending on where you live in the world, provide some reassurance to knowing, for example, from New Zealand, that Ukraine is quite far away. Uh, and so that can provide some reassurance, but also it's an opportunity for learning. And I think as Lucy said, uh, it really provides an, an opportunity to be an informed citizen to know about some of these some of these things because I think uh, you know not talking about it at all certainly isn't a solution. It can be difficult to be sure with um, older children exactly where they're getting their information from. It might be from their peers or social media platforms not always reliable of course. Is it helpful to have discussions with them about misinformation and disinformation and how that might be influencing they see it's part of a bigger conversation really isn't it? Oh, I couldn't agree more. And actually, this was one of the big uh, things that we flagged, you know, early on, um, you know, in this this conflict, and especially because uh, we were very acutely aware of the en masse levels of misinformation that were being put out uh, on social media platforms that youth in particular access a lot, um, like TikTok and Snapchat. And I think, you know, taking this as an opportunity to speak with adolescents and with youth about misinformation and, you know, what it can look like and what service of what purpose it serves is really important because this isn't the first and last time that that will be the case and being able to distinguish uh, what is accurate information and what isn't is something for the rest of their lives they're going to need to make good decisions about. And so I actually think if you have 
you know, a youth in your family who's on any of those platforms, I would highly encourage having discussions about that. Uh, children often take cues from parents. So do parents need to think about moderate even their own levels of outrage and language when it comes to what's happening? I mean, it might be Ukraine, it might be other things. Um, I mean, does it help to try and preserve some neutrality, if, if you like, rather than getting too emotional or partisan? Yeah, you know, I think that it's it's hard being a parent and it's hard to some oftentimes very can be very challenging to moderate our own emotions, especially in times of high stress. I think as much as possible, uh, you know, trying to regulate that in the presence of our children is usually a good idea. Um, you know, there can be exceptions. There are things that happen sometimes where we're not necessarily able to do that, but um, I think as much as possible, especially when we're talking with our kids about these topics, it's important to try to, uh, you know, regulate our own emotions in that context. And that can just be, you know, taking a few deep breaths. It's also okay not to broach a topic or conversation until you feel emotionally ready to do that. And when you do, then having having that discussion. We're not the first generation, or this isn't the first generation to encounter war and these kinds of distressing images, but the first to be able to access it 24-7 from so many sources uh, and people on the ground, you know. So would you recommend trying to minimise what children are exposed to? I mean, I know that would vary for different ages, but is some measure of control something that would be worth thinking of, particularly if you're dealing with children who are really sensitive? Yeah, you know, I think this is something that's important to think about. And I think, uh, you know, you said it right when you're mentioning about there might be some differences across age. Uh, Certainly, you know, for kids under the age of six years, I think I would really carefully moderate uh, what um, media related to uh, the war that they are exposed to. Uh, and then, you know, I think we know that having access to information is important, but it's all, even having access to it as adults in a more constant way can be stressful. So perhaps choosing times in which you take in the information, if there's a usual time that you listen or watch the news, that's one thing. Um, but uh, having it on all the time or a constant streaming can actually be can be quite stressful. And so I think being mindful of what information um, you know, you have in the home and um, whether or not your children are exposed to it is, is important. And it's not a censoring of the information, but rather uh, that there can be some exposure, but being mindful that because with, uh, you know, phones and TV and social media, we can constantly be bombarded with the information, just being, you know, being mindful that there is in fact time where uh, that information is is not uh, streaming. Thank you, Nicole, for your time. Dr. Nicole Racine, a specialist in child psychology.